The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Who knows what book we're in today? Philippians. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3. So uh, an elderly woman walked into the local church and uh, a friendly usher greeted her at the door and helped her up the flight of steps and said, where would you like to sit? Kind of asked politely and uh, the front row, please. She answered him and he said, well, you really don't want to sit on the front row. The preacher's pretty boring. Do you know who I happen to be? She said, no. She said, well, I'm the pastor's mother, she kind of said indignantly, you know. And he said, well, do you happen to know who I am? She said, no. And he said, well, good. (laughs) (laughs) So I understand that uh, it's human nature to uh, say, okay, uh, enough. I understand. I've had enough of being told that we need to have joy. All this stuff about being positive and uh, maintaining a good attitude is kind of maybe starting to wear on you a little bit. I hope not. You you may want to say, well, listen, preacher, I uh, I live in a different world than you do. I uh, I don't work. You don't work where I work, and you don't live with the people or the problems I live with, and. Uh, my world's not that great, and things are not really getting better. They may be getting worse, and uh, how can we have a Christian joy, and how can we have laughter, and how can we experience all those things with all the evilness and wickedness and all the things in the world today? And uh, I understand that sometimes we're kind of ready to move on, but we're going to spend a couple more weeks in, uh, in the book of Philippians, and, and that's the book about joy, and Paul is talking about joy, and uh, it can get confusing sometimes as a Christian, I think. A.W. Tozer, y'all may have heard of him, he, he pointed out uh, kind of how it can be confusing as a Christian. He said, a real Christian is an odd number anyway. He feels supreme love for one who, is, who, is, who he has never seen. He talks familiar, familiarly with him every day to one that he cannot see. He expects to go to heaven on the virtue of another empties himself in order that he might be full, admit he's wrong so he can be declared right, goes down in order to get up, is strongest when he's weakest, richest when he's poorest, happiest when he feels the worst, he dies so he can live, forsakes in order to have, gives away in order to keep, sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, and knows that which passes all knowledge. And if you think about all those things, that's true, it can be a little confusing. And it can be a little overwhelming, but in, in Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to go down in verse 20, Paul draws a contrast between a hopeless future of the unsaved and a glorious future for the believer. And uh, we're, going to, we're going to talk today about joy, and, and the uh, uh, joy is found, and in many things we've been talking about over the last several weeks where joy can be found, but uh, joy can be found in remembering our citizenship, and and that could just be the whole message right there. But I think it goes a little deeper than that. And uh, I think the more understanding that we can have from what Paul has to say to this church in Philippi, the more we can understand about the joy. So he says in verse 20, and this is Philippians chapter 3, For our citizenship is in heaven, 
for which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, in verse 21, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed in His glorious body, according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. So I have three things to go through this morning, and it'll be a little quickly, so if you would, bear with me. We can, uh, the first is this, we can be joyful because the assurance of our heavenly home. Now, uh, he says in the first part of verse 20 there, our citizenship, our citizenship is in heaven. Now, we could say, well, that's just simple, and I understand that, but I, I want us to really understand what the people of Philippi would have been hearing and what they would have been understanding and how they would have found joy in that statement. Because when we just read that statement, kind of like A.W. Tozer said, it, it can be a little confusing when we say, well, our assurance of heaven, that should bring us joy. And we, for us, we think, well, that's a long way off. But, but Paul uses, in, in Philippians 1.27, Paul wrote this, "...only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ." And we talked about that a few weeks ago. Uh, the, the, the word translated conduct here in verse uh, 327 is politimum. And, and it's a word that we get our, our word politics from, which, which that word politics means, believe it or not, to behave as a citizen. Now, I think sometimes our politicians behave as politicians. But the word that Paul used, the word that, that was translated from the Greek, actually means to behave as a citizen. Now, what Paul is saying in verse 27, he uses that same word, but it's translated here as citizenship. So, so behaving as a citizen, it has to do with one's behavior as a citizen. So I say all that to kind of lay the, the, the groundwork of this, this uh, analogy of citizenship and how the Philippians would have easily understood this. So let me tell you what happens here. Rome had settled a community of, of army veterans, and they called them colonies. So Rome would come in, they would settle a community, and they would put these army veterans in that area, and they would be colonies. And a, as a garrison, it, it was a conquered territory. <clears throat> and the emperor Augustus, he intended this practice. Uh, he extended it beyond, and he said, uh, I'm going to give all of those citizens, all of those people living in those colonies, Roman citizenship. So when I give them Roman citizenship in these settlements, not only the veterans, but those people that were in the, the, are kind of in the hierarchy there in the, the, the regional cities and, and men who had kind of distinguished themselves in their communities, they were, they were given the, the opportunity to be Roman citizens. Even, they, even though they weren't in Rome... And even though they weren't actual Roman citizens, they were given equal rights. And they, they're not only given equal rights, they were given all the privileges that, that the Romans would have had themselves. So this, this area of Philippi, in, in return of this, before we go there, in return of this, is if you were considered a Roman citizen, then you were expected to behave as a Roman even though you weren't a Roman, you were, you were expected to behave that way. And, and everything in their life were to, was to permeate that, that Roman, Roman uh, uh, citizenship. It, it, was to, it was to be in every area of that life. Now, during this New Testament times, the church at Philippi, where Paul ha, has founded this new church, they're, they're a Roman colony. So as a Roman colony, they, they, they were given citizenship in Rome. 
This, this church was actually in Macedonia, this Philippi, uh, Philippi was, but it was still considered a part of the Rome or part of Rome because of this colony. So, so although they were citizens of Rome, they were miles away from Rome. So Paul is sitting here and he's talking about citizenship. And, and I, like I say, he used that word that would say behave as a citizen. So they would have heard that and immediately they would have understood, okay, we're, we're in, we're in a Macedonia, but we're citizens of Rome. And even though we're not in Rome, we're to behave as citizens of Rome. So when Paul uses these words here, he says that we are citizens of heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. So, so think about this. If, if that's a little confusing, which I don't think it is, if, and this used to be the case, and I, I hate to even say that, but, but, but it used to be if you came from another country and you came to the United States and you became a citizen of the United States, you were expected to act like a citizen of the United States, weren't you? You were expected to know our laws and abide by our laws and our taxes and our rules. And, and even though your, your home may have been in some other country or some faraway place, when you became a citizen of the United States, you were expected to act like a citizen of the United States. Well, that's the same thing that was true here during this time. This, this church at Philippi, they were expected to act like citizens of the Roman Empire. So Paul says to us and to this church, he says, remember you're citizens, your citizenship is in heaven. And, and remember this book of, 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 to the Philippians, it's written for joy. Therefore, the believer in Philippi had, had even a higher calling than being a Roman citizen. Their higher calling was they are citizens in the kingdom of heaven. And, and just as Philippi was a colony of Rome on foreign soil, the church is a colony of heaven here on earth. And that's still true today. Christians are temporary residents of earth, and our citizenship, folks, is in heaven. And, and when we think about the fact that our citizenship in heaven, and we think about what Paul's telling us, he's saying, he's saying, Christians, we need to act like citizens of heaven, because that's where our real citizenship is. We, we, should, be like, we should be like residents in a foreign country. We're here in this place, and, and like a colony of heaven here on earth, even though Philippi wasn't in Rome, they were a colony of Rome. Well, we're not in heaven, but we're a colony of heaven right here on earth. And when we think about that, that's, that's, what, that's what Paul's saying. We should be encouraged by that. We, we should be living our lives conducted and regulated by heaven's laws and by what Christ would have for us. And, and so citizenship's important. You know, when you travel to another country, we, we get passports. I've never had a passport, but, but we, we get passports that, that proves you're a citizen. It, it proves your citizenship. It's important to be, to be recognized as a, as a citizen. And, and the same is true as a Christian. According to Luke 10, 20, when we accept Jesus Christ, it says our name is written down in heaven. And that word written is used in the perfect tense, means that it's once and for all written down. Down and it stands. So Paul says to us, as, as Christians, we have been written down, we have been a, made a citizen of heaven. 
And we're to live as citizens of heaven. Here, on, here, here even though we're a far away from heaven, here though the heaven is a place that, that God is going to build a new heaven and a new earth, while we're at life today, we're to live as citizens of heaven. So Paul encourages us, not only can we have joy because our assurance of our heavenly home, we're citizens in heaven, but secondly, he says, we can be joyful because of anticipation of our Lord's return. And he says that there in the second part of of verse 20, from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest event in any colony in Rome, and if you've ever watched any movies about uh, anything happening in Rome or during that time area, the the biggest events was what? It's when the emperor was coming. You know, they would have, they would line the streets and have banners and parades and music playing and all of these things because the emperor was about to come. That was a, that was a huge day, an anticipation of, of his arrival. And, and for us as, as citizens of heaven, we can anticipate our Lord's return as, as Lord of lords and King of kings. And, and that's what Paul says, for which we also eagerly await for the Savior. See how this church at Philippi would have understood that? He would have, he would have, they would have had that picture of, hey, we're citizens of Rome and, and we eagerly await for when the emperor comes and we can see him. And then he says to them, hey, but remember, you're citizens of heaven. And, and you can joyfully and eagerly await for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, to return. And, and believers, therefore, we ought to have a, an eager longing, a, a, an expectation, a earnest expectation, a fervent desire for when our Lord returns. I, I told you all this story probably, I, I don't know if I did not, but nearly a year ago I was in Rockport. Y'all remember a hurricane hit in Rockport, and, and I was down there a few weeks working, and, and while I was there... The, not the president, but the vice president came. It was unbelievable, the preparations they made. And, and so we were, they were staging us at an airport there in Rockport, and it was the only airport there. And so we had to get all our trucks off the runway, and they, they flew these three tilt-rotor helicopters in there, and uh, they circled around three or four times and landed, and... They had all the roads blocked. They, they had all the cars stopped. There was not a thing moving in that whole town. And, and I, I thought, how ridiculous is this? I mean, they shut everything down. And they put him and his family, there was about five or six cars of black cars with big old bulletproof windows. And, and uh, they drove and toured the town. And when they were coming back, I was right there on the road to the airport and and they drove by, and you know, I thought, that's pretty neat. You know, that, that guy's a, there's a vice president of the United States right there. And, and, and it was ridiculous, all the things they did, but, but at the same time, it was pretty neat. And, and, and to think about what Paul is saying is, remember, we, we have joy because we have anticipation of our Lord's return. That there's going to be a day that, that he's going to come back as king of kings and as lord of lords. And as Christians, we should find joy in that. We should find encouragement realizing, hey, we're not citizens of this earth, but our citizenship's in heaven and, and we're anticipating the day our Lord's return. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. Jesus is talking about when, when he went back to heaven and, and here he came and, and it's described for us. Now, when he had spoken these things... 
While they watched, he was taken up in a cloud, and the, the cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood beside them in white apparel. And verse 11 says, Who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken from you into heaven, will so come in a like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And then listen to John 14 too. This is a promise Jesus makes. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and I prepare a place for you. And then listen to what he says in verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, then I will surely come again and receive you into myself, that where I am, you may be also. And then in Titus chapter 2, 11 through 13, Paul says, For by the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our God, of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That, that, that words, those, those words there, blessed hope, as Christ returned, uh, it, it, it words, that, the word hope here is not just an anemic, well, I hope so. Yeah, I, I hope so. I, we get to heaven, well, I hope so. But, but when that word is used in Scripture, it's a, it's a confident expectation of a reality. So, so Paul's saying, hey, we have this blessed hope, this, this confident expectation of a reality that Jesus Christ himself, he's going to return. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16 says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive will remain, and we'll be caught up with them together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. For hundreds of years, Christians, believers, they... They greeted each other every time they saw each other with this word, Maranatha. And, and that word means, our Lord comes. You know, when they, when they would see each other on the street, when they'd see each other in the store, when they would see each other at church, they would greet each other with this, our Lord's coming. Our Lord is coming. Our, our Lord's going to return. And think of the joy that we can find in understanding that, that hey, we're citizens of heaven and, and we're waiting on Jesus Christ and, and, and we're waiting on His return. And here's the last thing. We can be joyful because the awaiting of our transformation of our earthly bodies. You know, this morning here's, we, we get sick and we get sore and we have trouble getting out of bed and you may be young and say, I don't have any of those things. You just keep living. And you'll get there, I promise you. And I, that's what I thought, but I've, I think I'm getting there. And some of y'all can say, oh, you're just a kid. You don't know nothing yet. But trust me, I know what I'm talking about. So uh, d- just think about the joy that we can have in knowing. I, I always think about what Paul says. I reckon these sufferings of today will never compare with the riches that await us in Christ Jesus. You know, the Lord tells us, and he says here in verse 21, that He will transform our lowly body so that it might be conformed into His glorious body. The, the completion of this lifelong process of living ends with us being transformed into a glorious body. 
my aunt Judy sing a sing a song, and uh, she would her husband played the guitar, and he was kind of he was a uh, conservative, I guess you'd call him. I'm trying to think of somebody to compare him to, but uh, he was real. You know, you, he was like some of y'all, you know, boy, don't raise your hand in church. You know, somebody might think you're praising. But but uh, J- Judy would sing, and she'd get to this part, and she'd go, I'll have a new body, praise the Lord. And he'd go, oh, honey, don't do that. You know, it just embarrassed him for her. To, she'd go, oh, you're up there dancing and waving your hands around. But, but she said, oh, I'm going to get a new body. I'm going to get a new body. And, and, and that's what Paul says. To think about our body is going to be transformed. It's going to be remade into the image of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to be a, a bunch of little gods running around or, or a, bunch of little, uh, a bunch of little carbon copies of Jesus Christ in, in outward appearance. It, rather, it means we're going to have a glorified body that, that acts like the body of Jesus after His resurrection. And folks, we can find joy in that in the midst of our sufferings, in the midst of our aches and our pains and in the struggles and the things that we deal with today. We can be joyful in knowing that there's going to be a day that our bodies are going to be transformed. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as he is. The second part of verse 2 says that change will be accompanied or be accomplished by according to the working which he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. That same power that enabled Christ to subdue death, that, that same power that, that enabled Christ to, to be resurrected from the dead, ultimately that same power will be brought unto us and we'll have a new body. That's what Paul means when he says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 54 through 57. Now, when we read this, it always, to me, it, it really takes some thinking about what Paul is saying. But he says this, So then, so when this corruptible has put on an incorruption, he's talking about our body, when this, when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, Then shall be brought to pass the saying which is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. And O death, where is your sting? And O hell, where is your victory? For the sting of death is sin, and the strength of the sin is the law. Listen to verse 57. But thanks be to God, He has given us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I heard an old story about a Savior that came from glory. And in Christ we have victory. This morning we can be joyful because of our assurance of our, our heavenly home. We can be joyful because we anticipate the Lord's return. And we can be joyful today because the transformation that we await of our earthly bodies. Let's pray together. Father, I pray this morning as we think about the world that we live in, we think about the situations that we're in, seems like daily, we we just look around at, at our surroundings, and every day we see uh, just so much decay in our world. Father, I pray that, that we'd be reminded that you have called us to be salt and light, that we'd be preservatives upon this earth as salt, that we would bring the light of your hope and your glory. And Father, in our own circumstances, when we just seem to be down, 
I pray, Lord, that we might take the truth of your word and, and how Paul reveals so much of where our true joy is found, knowing, Father, that, that we find joy in knowing that we're just, uh, we're just visiting this earth for a short while. As James puts it, just a, a breath on a cold day and it's gone. But, Father, beyond that, we have joy in knowing that that you have gone and you've prepared a place for us, Father. As we think about the, the, the place that you've prepared for us, we think about our citizenship, which is in heaven. We anticipate your return, and Lord, to know that, that we're going to be made perfect in you sometime. Lord, that we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth, and we're going to reside with you, and we're going to work your lands, and we're, gonna, we're truly going to have heaven. Father, I pray that we'd find joy in those things today, Lord. I, I pray today, Father, if we're, if we're living right now in a dry, thirsty land, Lord, I pray today that your spirit leads us that we might just come and say, Lord, I, I want to start afresh and new with you, and I, I want to just have a revival. I want to be revived in you that I might live inside your joy, that only true joy that lasts, Lord. I, I pray today, Lord, that you'd again take this words of a, a foolish man and and, Lord, that you would ordain them, and they'd fall on fertile ground and fertile hearts. And, Father, we would leave here today in the joy that you offer freely for each of us. And I pray this, Father, in the name of Jesus.